uh, it feels like almost like heat on the very top of my head. Like my ears get red and I, I start sweating a little bit. I know that's kind of gross, but like I, I, I get like kind of clammy and I start feeling like things are uh, kind of closing in on me a little bit. You're listening to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. Each week on this show, we talk to a listener who has a problem they want us to solve. The problems can be pretty much anything, like how to give your mom a kidney or, or how to uproot your life and move somewhere new. And then we take your questions and we start digging. We read up on the latest research. We, we find an expert to see if they can help. This week, we're talking with a listener from just outside Dallas, Texas. Well, my name is Matt Johnson, and uh, I'm a father of three. Um, been married for 20 years now. And my passion is uh, one day when I grow up, I really want to be a professional fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How's that, how's that going? Is that <laughs> it's not going great. I'm not that good of a fisherman, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about why um, why you you sent us an email. Well. I know it's kind of a universal topic, but stress really gets to me. All of a sudden, I'll find myself literally in a in a cold sweat, just thinking, "Oh my gosh, what's going to happen?" And it's been pretty rough. And and I really I emailed you guys thinking maybe there's somebody out there who can help. Yeah. And how how frequently does this happen that you kind of have this anxious response well i can i can have these moments four or five times a day and wh what does that feel like it's a very physical reaction but then like psychologically i know it's got to be damaging because it it hurts my work or it hurts the people around me who i'm having a conversation with i'm telling you i could be out to dinner just hanging out with my family and i will hear a word or my, my phone will go off a few times in a row and I will just start to sort of spiral. All of us have things that cause us anxiety or, or make us worry, but Matt's attacks, they're particularly acute and he's desperate to make them stop. So we turned to this clinical psychologist I know, a guy named Dr. Ben Michaelis. He's actually a friend of mine and he has a pretty interesting background. He studied for a while with Buddhist monks in India, and he's become somewhat of an expert in helping people figure out why they have these impulses and habits that are hard to control. And I work with a lot of, you know, pretty high-functioning folks here in Manhattan and New York City, and uh, a lot of the work is really some combination of, okay, what are the blocks that are holding you back, and how do we optimize things for you to help you to move forward? And when someone comes in and they're saying, Look, I, ha I have this thing I'm struggling with. I, I have anxiety attacks or I, I um, you know, I keep on getting into dumb fights with my spouse or whatever, some, some pattern or habit that they're trying to work on. Like, is there a playbook you go to in order to, to help them figure out how to stop? There are obviously some tools that everyone that's well-trained sort of has, but there is a process of trying to find out the, the particular reasons why you are having those fights, why you are having those panic attacks. Th this is why you have to spend time with someone to kind of get to know them. So Ben and I got on the phone together to talk to Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi there. 
And the first thing that Ben asked Matt was to describe the last time he had an attack. Uh, the last time was on Friday. I was sitting at, on my lunch break at work, and my phone, it didn't ring, but the, the text notification went off a couple of times in a row. And I kind of looked around, started to feel that the heat kind of in my head and shoulders. And uh, yeah, it, it just started right then. I had to get a like a paper towel and wipe my face and my head down. And I have like an extra shirt at work for when, you know, I have the, the real bad days where I stress out all the time. Matt says these anxiety attacks have been happening for a few years now. And as we started talking, Ben's first goal was to try and figure out where exactly did the anxiety come from? Like, like how did it start? So September 11th, 2001 uh, was obviously a terrible day, but that was the day that our first child was born. Um, Micah came into the world and uh, he was born at 11.37 that night. And we couldn't be happier and, of course, more sad at the same time. Uh, all the doctors were, like, in the room, you know, crying and were like, hey, you know, she's, she's having a baby. But I feel like that moment started something and uh, things just got crazier from there. So our middle child, our oldest daughter, was born September of 04. It turns out that uh, she was born with a couple of very rare brain disorders and uh, required five different brain surgeries. Um, she would have uh, two to 300 seizures every single day. Oh, and uh, that was very stressful, obviously, you can imagine. But we dealt with it, and I dealt with it. And I do not remember feeling the way I feel now. Matt's oldest daughter is named McKenna. And Matt and his wife, Marianne, they struggled with learning how to care for her. Matt had to keep working. He was a pastor, and then he became a police officer in Dallas. But Marianne, she quit her teaching job so she could be at home with McKenna full-time. My wife, th there would be uh, like a really bad seizure, or McKenna would, would fall against her little baby gate. I mean, we had that house fortified. But uh, she would sometimes take a spill and... and even if you walked with her, she would still find a way to, to hurt herself because she had low muscle tone. Well, something would happen and my wife would either call or text me like, like there was a big one or, you know, McKenna is bleeding out of her mouth. You know, what should we do? Should we take her in? And, and to this point, I mean, the hospital and home were like the same thing. And so we were always at, at one of the two. Um, so I think the phone issue comes back to getting a lot of really bad news, um, all the time, maybe through, through text messaging and phone calls. Let me ask you when, during that period, when you would get those texts about McKenna from, mm -hmm. from your wife, like, do you remember feeling anxious or upset when you got the text message or when you got the phone call? I certainly remember when I would hear the text notification, like slowly turning over the phone, like, oh, what am I going to see? Like, yeah. you know, that, that sort of anxiety, the anxious feeling of, 
what's going to happen? Am I going to have to run out and, and, you know, speed home because we have to run her back to the hospital? So yeah, definitely there was, uh, there was some anxiety there. And then our, our youngest was born in 07 and, um, two months after she was born, that's when, uh, McKenna took a, took a really bad turn, ended up in the hospital for almost two years. Oh. Let me stop there and grab sure. something to drink real quick. Okay. Thank you. And so, so McKenna went into the hospital for about two years and, and what mm-hmm. happened? Well, they did everything they could. Um, they did the final brain surgery and for about, for almost a year, she was seizure free and she started progressing. Um, she started learning to chew uh, regular food. She was able to eat a cheeseburger, pancakes, eggs, and, uh, and really we started traveling. I mean, we, we really celebrated for about a whole year. And then uh, things took another turn for the worse. And so we got to the point where they recommended that she be put on hospice. And uh, on the 14th of August, we were singing to her. I, I, was, uh, I was reading a, a verse of the Bible to her and she, it, she took this, this real deep breath and then she fell to sleep and, and she was gone. I'm sorry. I appreciate that. Uh, it was, it was hard. I mean, losing anybody's hard, but when it's your kid, that's, that's just not right. You know, you're not really supposed to have to bury your kids. So, but we did, and we did the funeral and, um, then everyone leaves and you're back to you and your wife and your other two kids who are broken and, you know, you're trying to put it back together until like the storm passes. McKenna passed away five years ago this month. And Matt's anxiety attacks started getting worse when he got another piece of bad news last year. His wife was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Though MS can be treated, there's no cure for it. And so he has a lot on his mind. When we come back, we'll see if Ben can help him out. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? 
The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. Hey, um, Matt, um, you know, I was obviously listening to everything that you've experienced and um, all I can say is that I, you know, I feel you and uh, I mean, what you've gone through and what your family's gone through is beyond. Um, and I'm going to ask you some, some questions just so that I can get a better sense. Um, and if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, that's totally fine. But I do want to just kind of get a little bit more of a sense of things. Um, Absolutely. The first question that I have um, is, what's your wife's name? Her name is Marianne. Have these panic attacks, has there been any uh, change in the frequency or severity since uh, Marianne uh, was diagnosed? There is a possibility they've gotten a little bit worse um, with her not able to be, you know, as active as she used to be. Um, I think probably um, I feel a little bit rushed during the day to get home and to to sort of take over the best I can. Of course, she she did the lion's share of everything. And so now I'm compensating for sure. Tell me a little about how you deal with your own physical health. I mean, I, I terribly. I know that I should probably take up running or, or something and not to excuse myself from it, but I was a pastor for 10 years and then I was a cop for seven. And um, during that time, I was in a fight with a, a guy who was on uh, PCP and um, he ended up jumping out of an ambulance, kicking me in the knee and it, and it broke my kneecap and it broke my femur. And so for the longest time, uh, I've worn this giant brace and haven't been able to jog and, and really probably use that as an excuse for, for like way too long when I know there are other things I could do. So the answer to your question is uh, I watch TV to handle my stress. Understood. So, so a couple of things that I just want to say in response. The first one is I, I can just from everything that you've said so far, um, I can hear, I know that you are someone that takes a lot on himself. And mm. um, I, I honestly can't even imagine when I think about the different layers of trauma that you have experienced. We didn't even talk about, again, your days with the Dallas police force, which I can imagine would be even more so. But if you think about anxiety, anxiety is really a, it's sort of a tense emotional state that that tells you something bad could happen. And so you're on high alert. And when you've had these periods of sort of clarity punctuated by these intense, really, there's no other way to, to describe it except for traumas. Yeah. It's constantly, it's, it's like whiplash, like emotional whiplash in each mm -hmm. of these times. And then after, that's really when your body and mind start to kind of react because emotions don't wear a watch. And emotions mm. don't know what time it is. And okay. your emotions over all of these things start coming out in these different ways. And 
one of the things that I would recommend very concretely is to actually, I would shut off your phone, like literally mm. shut it off for periods of time during the day and check it a couple, maybe three times a day because there's, there's, there's very little that you need to know during that time and anything, it can be a, a text from a friend, a, a news alert, whatever can t cause that response. So that's sort of dealing right. with the environmental stress. And so one of the things that I do want to recommend is, and, and this can be 10 minutes, it doesn't have to be major, but getting yourself into better physical health mm -hmm. will help on a number of different levels. Um, because as someone who sounds like you were used to be pretty active yeah, and, and now you don't have that outlet. And so there's a, there is a lot of sort of excess energy that you have. Okay. That's good to know. Is there anything you can recommend for for when these happen? Can, is there a coping mechanism or is there a way you can think of? And I, I may be getting way ahead of myself. Nope, you're, you're right on point. Um, I'm right there with you. There's a few things that I would recommend. Um, okay. The first thing I would recommend is if, if you could create a log of when these attacks happen uh, okay. and, re and really be detailed about it. Okay, these attacks tend to happen in the morning, in the evening, um, different times of year. And there may not be a very clear pattern so, but just keeping a log of it, all of that information is going to be helpful for you because the more you can predict things, uh, the more likely it is that you can address them even before they're happening. And let me just jump in for a second. If you if you were guessing right now just kind of what what the trigger was, like if you had been keeping that log for the last mm -hmm. couple of months, what do you think we would see? Like what 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 are the patterns that you've noticed? I feel like it's when I finish a project or I'm done with a certain phase of my work. And then if I take a break or if I'm sort of letting my guard down, I feel like that's when they start to creep in. That's kind of when the, the pattern starts forming. So that, that's actually, it's really helpful. So when you're engaged in a task, from my vantage point, it's a dopamine-driven activity. And when you mm. finish the task, there's this sort of uh, kind of an emptiness that happens. And that's when these right. emotions come rushing in. And if you're about to finish a project, for example, uh, and say to yourself, okay, well, this may be happening. This is going to be happening right now. And if you can talk yourself through this and say, this is my body responding to the trauma that I have experienced and talking yourself through it while you do some deep breathing techniques, okay. taking really deep breaths in through the nose and out through your mouth. Okay. When you say talking your way through it, like what exactly, so he starts breathing, how should he talk himself through it? Like what would that dialogue sound like? Say, okay, I'm experiencing this, these sensations uh, I'm experiencing this heat on the top of my head. I'm experiencing my ears getting really red and hot. Uh, and I'm experiencing sort of the, the world closing in on me. But these are physiological manifestations of my stress. And, and you use the word storm, Matt, which I really mm -hmm. appreciate because storms, there's nothing to do but basically ride out a storm. And breathing your way through this experience I can hear how much pride you have and that sense that like, oh, these things are getting the better of me 
which I right. think I think is a really hard experience for you. And so the more that you can just separate yourself and manage this okay. on your own, it's gonna be it's gonna be incredibly helpful for you because I think that it's the idea that these things can feel like they're gonna happen at any point and overwhelm you, I think is part of what's happening. Yeah, that that's very true. How, how does that strike you, Matt? Like, do you think that that's something you can do? I do. I, it's something I've never tried. Okay, so these three things: um, keeping a log, giving myself space, talking through these things while deep breathing, and then obviously working on my physical fitness. Um, in, in my mind's eye, I see myself doing. The, the talking through and I'm, I, I work in a cubicle. Okay. But that, the walls are real high. So I may just give them like forewarning, like, Hey, I may be talking to myself for a while, but y'all just get over it. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it and see what happens. But how do, how do we, how do we get them to stop happening in the first place? Cause Ben, you had said that the, that the origin of this trauma might be when Matt's daughter passed away. And and obviously he still carries that with him. And and Matt, your wife is still sick. She still has MS. Mm-hmm. Ben, how how should Matt beyond just managing around the symptoms? How does he try and step away from the stress of those things? So so there are a few things. You mentioned running, and I think that that one of the things about running is it's a meditative activity. And it can, mm-hmm. it can actually help you process things. Anything that you do that's repetitive, doesn't have to be running, um, seems to trigger a, an emotional release. So that can be helpful. But I also do think that, and you don't need to talk to a therapist. Let me be very clear. You can talk to your friends or someone okay. that's a little bit further distance. I would not recommend necessarily talking to Marianne uh, for a yeah. variety of reasons. I just someone that's a little bit further away. And okay having the emotion that's clearly there um, be expressed in a safe place, I think will actually go a long way towards preventing these attacks from happening. So it's a combination of these sort of very practical techniques as well as kind of processing the trauma that you've experienced. Okay. Does that make sense to you, Matt? It, It absolutely does. Talking to somebody further out, maybe someone who wasn't even necessarily there at that time. I don't know. Maybe... I, I do have a really good coworker who, who's becoming a friend here. Maybe that would be someone I could just bounce things off of. Ben said that talking to someone is important, but what's also important is having the right goal in those conversations. What you're hoping to do when you discuss a trauma with someone is figure out in some way how to rewrite your memories. So the good parts, they're a little bit more in focus, and the bad parts, they're a little less present. So there's this technique really called memory rescripting, where these painful experiences where you sort of really try to get yourself back into that place where you were. But it's a process that helps you to kind of get, bring your memory back into an experience where you've been traumatized so that you can actually replay the memory in a safe space and really sort of alter your own experience of that memory. Because one of the things that happens in trauma is you feel that these experiences were happening to you, where you have yeah. no, no control over them, which is, which is, you know, on some level, 
true, but but what you do have is your own perceptions of them and how right. you reshape that narrative. Let me ask you, Matt, if, if you were working to reframe what happened with McKenna and if if you were telling me about how you wanted to reshape the story inside your head, how, how would you answer that now? Uh, my wife always says that there's no such thing as false hope. There's just hope. Like it's either there or it's not. And so I have hope and I, I want to make that totally clear. Um, I reached out to you because I'm hopeful. So her life as this legacy, not of suffering, but her life as this incredible just moment where the world could see this beautiful young lady who was wheelchair bound, but who laughed at everything, who never griped about anything. She just enjoyed being there. And, and that's really what I want to get my mind back to is what was really going through her mind when she would come up and hop up to us and and try to give us a kiss and essentially slobber all over our our faces and it was just the best wet kisses in the world what was going through her mind she was thinking you know in her way i love you thank you for taking care of me and so i want to take care of my other children in the same fashion and, and that's really why I want to get a handle on this. Because if I can get this anxiety stuff taken care of, I feel like I can start living again. And, and I do feel like we're on that road. But having these practical tools that I'm going to put in place, I'm very hopeful. I, I honestly, Matt, I, I know we haven't you know, spent time in person, but I'm grateful for your openness and your hope. And, and I'm, I really do hope that these things are, are quite helpful for you because uh, I, I feel like you've got a, a, a lot of good to still do in the world for a lot of people. Thank you. I hope these techniques work, and it's enormously yeah. inspiring to talk to you. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Quick update. Not long after we talked with Matt, he sent us this voice memo. Cautious optimism has blossomed into full-on optimism. <laughs> this is pretty amazing, guys. Um, I've been taking these deep breaths when I first feel the heat on top of my head, and I out loud tell myself that all this is is just my body reacting. And I gotta be honest, it is working. In the last seven days, I've only had two of these episodes. So um, my exercise is going well. I did find someone to talk to. And I mean, this is life-changing. I'm just incredibly thankful for you, for this podcast. And if anybody out there needs help, I wanna pay it forward and share the love. Thank you, guys. God bless. Thank you so much to Matt Johnson for telling us about his life and what he's gone through. 
and to Dr. Ben Michaelis for talking with Matt and giving him some things to try. Ben actually has a great book that he's written called Your Next Big Thing, which is full of advice on how to give your life more meaning. Do you have a problem that you need help with? Send us a note at howtoitslate.com and we'll do our best to solve it. Also, if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps highlight the podcast, which means that more people can find us and hopefully we can help them. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is composed by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Christina Martinez and Asha Saluja. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening.